Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Page 939 in the Pew Bible. Luke chapter 1. Now we're going to cover quite a few verses here. We're going to look at verses 1 all the way down through verse 38. So I want to start by just reading all of that and then we'll begin. Luke chapter 1 starts like this. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God, we thank you for your word. And although we have just read a large portion, God, it is speaking of amazing things that you are doing. God, we have read of an old couple unable to have children who is now pregnant. And we have read of a young, unmarried virgin who is now being pregnant with the Lord, the Son of the Most High. God, we ask that as we read and as we look at the text this evening that you would Help us to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just yesterday, Samantha and I were doing some cleaning in our basement. And we came across a large plastic tub. And it just said, BATY, in all capital letters on it. And this happened to be a tub full of things that belonged to me while I was in the Navy. And so as we opened it and as we started going through it, there were old uniforms that I had not seen in years, Uh, old helmets that I used to wear in Afghanistan and in other places that I had been deployed to, and, and just different things. I was a welder in the Navy, and so there was welding glasses and welding goggles and things like that. And as we looked through them, it it brought back a lot of nostalgia for me, reminded me a lot of my, my Navy days. And we often, you know, we, we made a bunch of jokes just about how Graham is going to love to put on these, these uniforms when he's a little older and he's going to love to pretend. And that reminded me of, of something very strange that maybe some of you all are familiar with. Who's seen Leave it to Beaver? Anybody? Oh, yeah, here we go. So I, I grew up watching Leave it to Beaver. My parents loved it. Um, I don't know why, but, but I always remember watching it. And I remember one specific episode where Beaver is in the garage and he finds a box of his dad's old military stuff. And he's looking through it and, you know, it's a lot of weird knick-knack things. But he goes to school the next day and begins to tell all of his friends how his dad was this big war hero. And as it turns out, his dad was just like me. He was a CB. He didn't actually fight in combat. He wasn't actually a a big war hero. All he did was do surveying uh, in World War II. And so he did serve, and it was an honorable thing to do, but he wasn't the big war hero that Beaver wanted him to be. 
But what that reminded me of is that what Beaver was wanting was his dad to be this person of great significance who's accomplished amazing things. And that reminds me of my own desire for that. I'm sure all of us, if you're into fishing and you've ever caught a fish, have told that story. And as legend goes, you know, when you, you, you know, I caught that fish and it, you know, it pulled a little harder and it pulled a little harder. And by the time I got it out of the water, man, it was this giant fish. We like to embellish things. We like to make ourselves feel like we are important, that we have significance. And all of us are on a search for significance. All of us want to be used in a big way. And I, I think about you know me as a kid, I always wanted to be that guy in the bottom of the ninth inning, up to bat, with the World Series on the line, and be the hero have my name written in the history books, everybody remembering who I was. Or maybe for you, as a little girl, you dreamed of being a princess, people serving you, being honorable. We like to think that we will be big and, and that we'll be significant. And what we read about here in the Gospel of Luke is, is some individuals that play a huge role in the history of God saving his people. This is the beginning of Luke's gospel, and God is about to begin by doing a great work amongst these people that we've just read about. And I hope that, that you and me, as we're here tonight at church, I hope that as Christians we have a desire not just to be uh, used in a great way in the world, but I hope we have a desire to be used in a great way for God. Similar to what Cedric said about being deployed soon, he wants to be used by God to make an impact on these guys that he will be deployed with. I hope all of us have desires like that. But one of the things that happens when we start thinking about God using us is we're reminded of all of our faults. We're reminded of all of our shortcomings. We're reminded of all the ways why God should not use us. And so what I want us to do tonight is, is not so much look at every single detail in this, the, the passage that we read, but I want us to zero in on the people that God is going to use, and I want us to look at their lives, I want us to see what God is going to do, and I want us to see how they respond. So first, we come to Zechariah and Elizabeth. In verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So, what does the Bible tell us about Zechariah and Elizabeth? First, it tells us that Zechariah is a priest. Priests came from the line of Levi the descendants of Aaron. And so it tells us also that Elizabeth came from the line of Aaron. And so these are two people from the line of Aaron. Zechariah is a priest, and, and as we're about to read, he's serving in the temple. So Zechariah is a person who is a mediator between God and the people. This is not just an ordinary task that someone would say, you know, I think, I think I'd like to be a priest. I'm going to pursue that line of work. You have to be born into the line of Levi. 
to be a priest. This is, this is a big deal. And so Zechariah has what we might think an honorable birth. All right? He's born into an honorable family, an honorable heritage, as well as Elizabeth. Verse 6 tells us that these are people of upright character. Look how the Bible describes them. Verse 6 says they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They're righteous people. They're, They're holy. They're pursuing after God. They're living in obedience to His law. By everyone's looking in at them, they are model people. They are model Israelites that everyone should be like. But then we learn something interesting in verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. So we learn that they have experienced a life of disappointment. They were not able to have children. Children were kind of a big deal at this time. Your children are going to be the heirs to you. They're going to carry on the family line. In this situation, specifically, the priestly line. If they had had a son, he would be a priest before God, just like his father, Zechariah. But they were not able to have children. But the other thing that we learn is that they're both old. Verse 7 says, and both were advanced in years. So it's not that you know, they were young and spry and just getting started as a priest and, and as a priest's wife. They had been doing this for a long time. They had probably been praying and praying and praying for a long time that God would give them a child. But yet for all of their life, they were without a child. Now this is not at all the main point, but, I, but I, it, it's too good to pass up. Verse 6 says that they were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Oftentimes, disappointments in life lead to us believing bad things about God. Oftentimes, when life doesn't go the way we had hoped that it would go, we start to believe for whatever reason that God must be against us. God must be angry with us. We must have done something to offend him Otherwise, he would bless us, or he would bless me, or he wouldn't put this hardship on me. Josh mentioned this morning hearing from someone saying, well, this has happened to me, and this has happened to me, and this has happened to me. Why would God let that happen? And this was the first thing I thought of. That's our temptation always, is that when anything bad happens, we want to point the finger and say, why, God, why have you done this? But I want you all to see that despite verse 7 saying that they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, verse 6 still says that they were both righteous before God. Church, let's not let our disappointments in life and our hardships in life cause us to get angry and bitter towards God. Let's continue to trust him. Knowing that he's not just out to get us or to make us miserable, but that he still loves us. He still sent his son to die for us. If we have hardship and disappointment in life, do not let it drive you away from God. So that's a little bit about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now look, look forward to 
to verse 26. And let's see what the Bible tells us about Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So we we learn a couple things about Mary here. Number one, she lives in Nazareth, which if you look at a, a map of first century Palestine, Jerusalem is south by the Sea of... Um, I don't know, it's escaping my mind. But it's south, and then that's, that's where the city was, Jerusalem. That's where the priests would be living, and they would be going to the temple and, and serving God there. But very far north by the Sea of Galilee is Nazareth. And this is a more rural place. This is not a big Mecca where people are coming and and there's a lot of people or a a tight congregation of people. It's very rural, probably a lot of farmers and and shepherds. So Mary is living in a rural place. We learn that she's a virgin, that she has been pure, at least to this point in her life. She has not known a man. We also learn that she is betrothed to a man. Now, in our culture, we would probably understand this closest to engagement, They're committed to be married, but are not yet married. And this also leads us to believe that she is probably very young. Women during this time would be betrothed to a man at a very young age, likely early teenage years. We also learn that this guy named Joseph is from the house of David. He is a descendant from David the king way back in the Old Testament. But we also find out, if we read a little bit farther, look at verses 28 through 30. So the angel came to her and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So twice now we learn that she has found favor with God. Now Luke is careful to point out that it's, it's nothing that she has done which has caused her to find favor with God. It's favor with God is simply because of God's own choosing. God chose to show favor to Mary. She did nothing to earn God's favor. And the same it is with us. If we have received favor from God, it's not because we've done something to earn it. It's because God has simply decided to show us favor. We also learn way down in verse 36 that she is a relative of Elizabeth. So there are some things that Luke is wanting us to know about Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary. First of all, you've got some old people. They've not been able to have a child for their entire life, and they're very old. They're from a noble birth. They're they're, uh, righteous people living in, in obedience to the commandments. And then on the other side, Mary seems to be this young girl from a rural area. She is not married. She has no uh, reason to be pregnant. We don't know anything about her. It doesn't say that she's this awesome, righteous girl. It just says that God has, has found favor, or she has found favor with God. But now I want us to look at how God is going to use them. Look with me back at, uh, at verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1. So the angel is is talking to Zechariah, telling him what's about to happen, and he says, For he, the child that will be born, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
Now, the angel is telling this to Zechariah, who is a priest. Now, look back with me real quick to the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. It's right before the book of Matthew. Look at chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, there's a the period of about 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That means that during that time, there were no prophets. Nobody had received a word from God that they were bringing to the people. It just simply was was quiet. And the last thing that they're left with is a promise that before the day of the Lord comes, he will send someone like Elijah. He will come in the power of Elijah. So now, an angel, Gabriel, has appeared before Zechariah as he's in the temple about giving a sacrifice. And what does he say? He says, this child will go before him, talking about the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the wise to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. There may have been 400 years of silence, but God has not forgotten what he has promised to do. And now he is beginning to do that work, to fulfill what he had said will happen. John, this child that's going to be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, is going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's going to make ready a people for the Messiah. So God is going to use Zechariah and Elizabeth to give them a child that will prepare people to meet God. So how is God going to use Mary? We'll look back forward to, uh, to verse 31. The angel says to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary is going to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One. So here we have two people, or three people really, a couple and then a single lady on completely different sides of the spectrum as far as where they're at in life. A couple of noble birth, older, married, not able to have children, and then a young girl we don't know much about. She's somehow related to Elizabeth. She lives in a rural place. She's not married, no reason to be having children. And now God says, both of you, will have sons. Zachariah and Elizabeth, your son will prepare the way for Mary's son. So God is going to use these people in, in a great way. But now I want us to look at the way that they respond. We've looked at a little bit about their life, how God is going to use them, but now let's see the way that they respond. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's response 
is one of doubt. He's almost asking for a sign. How shall I know this? How will I know that what you're telling me, Gabriel, the angel that I was just petrified of a few minutes ago, how am I going to know that what you're saying is true? How can I believe you? Zechariah doubts. Look at verse 25, 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach from among people. Elizabeth's response is rejoicing. She's saying, I have been called the barren one my whole life. Everyone has probably made remarks behind my back how I'm uh, not a good mother or, or apparently not fit to be a good mother because I couldn't have a child. Perhaps maybe everyone was saying there's something wrong with me, but her response to hearing what God is gonna do is to rejoice. She says, God has lifted this burden off of me. Now look at, look at Mary's response down in verse 34 and 38. And Mary said to the angel, well, how will this be since I am a virgin? Look down at verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary is curious about how these things are going to take place, but yet she's still believing. She's curious, but yet believing. Notice that Zechariah was the one who doubted. And when he doubted, the angel said to him that because you didn't believe my words, you will be mute until you see all of these things take place. But as Luke does so often in his gospel, he's showing us reversals. And so the person in this story that we might think would be the one who's believing and rejoicing is Zechariah, the priest, the one who's sacrificing on behalf of the people. We would think he would obviously be the godly one, the mature one. He would be the one to understand yes and, and believe. But yet he's the one that doubts. Elizabeth, who's the one who has not been able to have the children, we would think she has every reason to to be bitter at God, to be angry for a lifetime of not having children, and her first response is, thank you. Thank you, Lord. What an amazing thing that you have done for me. And Mary, the youngest, we don't know a whole lot about her, She's curious about how all this is going to happen, how it's going to take place, how it's going to unfold, but yet she is believing. And she says, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Interesting that we have these ranges of response from doubt to curious to rejoicing, but yet the responses don't change the fact that God is using them. Even though Zechariah doubts, he has to deal with being mute for the entire pregnancy until he sees being fulfilled what was told him. But that doesn't mean God is going to say, all right, well, fine, I'll use somebody else. God is patient with Zechariah and his doubt. God is using someone who is doubting him and still accomplishing his purposes. God is using Elizabeth and her rejoicing to accomplish his purposes. And God is using Mary and her curiosity to accomplish his purposes. 
And I love that in this single, we haven't even covered the entire chapter of Luke 1, but even in this little portion, we've got people from, from extremely different walks of life. Their lives are probably incredibly different, but yet God is using both of them in unique ways to carry out his plan in the world. Verse 36 and 37 is perhaps two of my favorite verses in this, this chapter. The angel tells Mary, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. She was known as the barren one, unable to have children. Verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. I have that verse underlined. I have it written in the front of my notebook. I love that verse. Nothing will be impossible with God. The reason I wanted to focus on the people that God is using here tonight is because I think for all of us here, we want to be used by God in various ways. Whether, whether you're in a workplace or whether you're retired or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're a student or where, wherever you are, if you are trusting in Jesus and hoping in Jesus, I hope that you want and have a desire to be used by God. I hope that you're thinking like Cedric asked us to pray that I'm about to be deployed with a bunch of these guys and they, they don't know Jesus, they don't hope in Jesus, they don't love Jesus, and I want them to see that I do. And I want God to use me to change them. I hope we're all thinking and feeling that way no matter where we are in life. But perhaps... As we're thinking that, we're also thinking, well, I'm old and retired. I'm not around people that much. I don't have much influence at school. I'm not one of the cool kids. Or I'm new at this job. Nobody's going to listen to what I have to say. We are so easily believing the lies that we tell ourselves. We so easily buy into I can't really be used by God. There's nothing that he can do with me. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite sometimes, and I, and I fall short, and people have seen my, my failings and my shortcomings. Y'all, God is using an old priest who doubts the words of the angel that comes to him, and he's fulfilling what he has set out to do. God is using an old woman who is past the age of childbirth to fulfill what he is doing in the world. And God is about to use a young virgin girl who's not even married to fulfill his purpose in the world, to fulfill his plans. Why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. Every single one of you no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you think of yourself, God can use you the same way that he uses Zachariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. But may our response not be like Zachariah, but be like Mary. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what's amazing about that statement? 
Mary is young. Mary is not married. And Mary's about to have a baby. How do you think Mary's life is going to go from here on out? Especially once she starts showing that pregnant belly. Probably not going to be the easiest. Probably not going to be the most glorious. Probably not going to be the most famous person or the well-spoke-of person in Nazareth. But God is using her in a way that others could not even imagine. Y'all, being used by God does not always make us popular. Being used by God is not going to always make us the best. But despite her understanding that this may make life even harder, she says, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, God using us wherever it is that we are may not make us popular, may not make us famous, may not make us everybody's friend. It actually may make life more difficult. But if we trust in God, if we know that he loves us the way the Bible says that he does, we can answer just like Mary. God, no matter how hard this might be, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. God, we thank you for the book of Luke. We thank you for the lives of Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. And we thank you that in your divine providence, you decided that these were the people you were going to use to prepare the world to meet God. And God, we thank you for the obedience of Mary being young and understanding that this might make life hard. Her response, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. God, may all of us respond in the same way. Allow us to submit our lives to you knowing that you love us and knowing that you can use us no matter what baggage we bring with us. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.